you have returned to Season 2 of the Logos of Experience and Truth podcast, where I continue this journey of unlocking the hidden mysteries of the beatific vision of God for you, the spiritual pilgrim treading upon the narrow path. Prepare yourself. Episode 13, Remembering the Ignored Signs Welcome back to the Logos of Experience and Truth podcast. Just as the previous episode, this is a disclaimer that if you have not listened to the first two episodes of Season 2, Episodes 11 and 12, I highly recommend you listen to them before proceeding forward with this episode, or this episode will make little sense from a timeline perspective. Let's get into it. To start, just to further drive home the timeline of the experiences recounted in the previous two episodes, I had school Monday through Thursday. It was on a Thursday when I smoked the speed and either that early Friday or Saturday morning since I can't remember the exact number of days when I experienced what to me appeared to be near or actual death, I slept finally and it wasn't until late Sunday when I awoke and needed to drive back home in West LA since I had school the next day. Everything is somewhat of a blur as you can imagine. All I know is even though my mind felt like it was back in order since I was back in the crowded campus of Santa Monica College, the same impressions that I explained were occurring while in the nightclub kept creeping up here and there whenever I put any attention to it. So I went about my days as cautious as I could, struggling with all my might to keep my thoughts in order, to think only of what I needed to think about and nothing else, and not to give any attention to any thoughts I wasn't consciously thinking. I'm not sure how long it took, whether it was the next weekend or two weekends after my death experience. But at either interval, it felt as if my mind had grounded itself once more, and regardless of the depth of experience I knew I had witnessed, the dumbass in me crept back in. The dumbass in me that needs to experiment and confirm, probably gained from a lifetime in school of the scientific method ingrained upon my mind. But I wanted to see if I could still smoke weed or not. I knew there was no way in hell I'd ever touch anything stronger than weed. I knew that for a fact then and there. But I'd been smoking weed for a long time already, seven years at that point. And even though I never considered myself an addict, still will say that I wasn't an addict since I'd periodically stopped smoking weed and drinking while in high school and college when I knew I needed to get my shit together to get a paper done or pass a test or something. But I still didn't really want to give it up entirely. Also, the skeptic in me returned. It was just a crazy drug experience, just like in the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas movie and book, nothing more. There's not really a god. There's not really a devil. There's none of that. It was just drugs. And obviously, the dumbass experimenter that I was and unfortunately am, I told myself, let's test this by smoking some weed. I know I took one hit. I'm not sure if I took two hits. Two years later, I'd experiment again, and when I recount that, I'm certain it was only one hit. But at this moment, I know it wasn't more than two, but it may have been, and it may have been one hit. All I know is I sat back into my sofa after the hit, or hits, and simply watched. I looked around my apartment, didn't see anything pressing in through the walls, no weird voices, nothing. I even remember telling myself, see, smoking weed is fine. And then all I remember is ever so slightly glancing up towards the ceiling in front of me. And there was the vision again. The mind stream ribbons piercing the fabric of space, coming in through the roof of my apartment, 
No apartment above it, actually, and I was actually looking out into the night sky with the swirling vortex of the vision right in front of me again. When I glanced at it, it began to perform the same actions as the ball of light I'd seen in the death experience, trying to suck me into looking at it and the extension of thoughts over eternal time in the present moment of now started and time began to slow. A four-letter bad word starting with the letter F is all I thought. It didn't last long, though. Didn't draw me into gazing at it with the same gravitational pull as what occurred in the life review death experience. But I knew without a doubt that whatever this was that I was seeing was just as real a part of reality as anything else, and that smoking weed and doing drugs opened one up to it, or at least, since I'd already been opened up to it via this route, it was now always going to occur. By this point, I was also thinking further of the experience having to do with judgment or having judgment passed upon oneself when one sees it, and essentially I saw it in the negative sense and would only see it in the negative sense, especially of experience through drug use, for quite some time afterwards, until my more recent mystical experiences. I don't remember what occurred after. The vision just sort of went away or by looking away and telling myself I can't do that again, and acknowledging that this spinning vortex-looking thing of eternal thought was real and that it had something to do with God and judgment, I think I fell asleep. Only reason I say that is because I know it was daylight when I threw out my bongs, pipes, papers, and the last sack of weed I ever possessed. Though I've drank liquor since then, of course, at the time, I also poured out all the liquor that I had in my apartment, and I think I went close to a year without even drinking a drop of anything but church wine. And then my mind began connecting the dots to the things I had seen leading up to these experiences over the previous year or so, and I understood that I had been ignoring all the signs that were surrounding me, smacking me right in the face, entirely because I wanted to be skeptical. And I wanted to be skeptical because I didn't want to accept that I would have to change if what I was being shown and seeing was true regarding God, heaven, devil, and hell. And I was no longer capable of doing this at this point, though if you've listened to season one snapshot of another experience I had, I eventually fell once more, being the dumbass experimenter that I am. But let's dive into those signs that had been appearing and showing me the truth of this invisible and unseen layer of reality within reality. I think the descent into the land of the dead and the seeing of the living hell will make much more sense after I recount the signs that had come to me over the year prior, all the signs that I had been ignoring. As a disclaimer, if you do not wish to open this door further, then turn back. Turn back. It began Halloween night, 1999. Of course it was Halloween night, which should give a hint as to what unfolded before me on this night. And what's weird is I'm drafting this a couple days before Halloween 2021 in another synchronous nod. It was the first time I dropped acid. I had smoked a ton of weed up to this point, had eaten shrooms once, I know, but maybe twice, but hadn't dropped acid yet. I was at a rave somewhere in San Bernardino, California. I don't remember much, only chewing one and a half to two tabs and not really feeling anything. In fact, other than a couple laughing sessions and passing streetlights zigging and zagging a bit while seated in the backseat of a car once the rave was over, I can't say I really experienced all that much drug-wise. It didn't feel any grander than getting high on some good chronic, and I think that was pretty much all that came about from the drug. Or was it? If we say that the action of taking the drug to begin with alongside partying with the neighbors I had while living in Costa Mesa, California at the time, 
that the reaction itself was being exposed to the concepts I was soon to be exposed to, then taking the drug itself, regardless if anything was actually seen or not, produced the reaction received to having taken it in the first place. Or what I was exposed to was a drug working through both me and the guy I had taken it with, and the topic he decided to start speaking about was in fact the reaction of taking the drug and what the acid experience brought, or a combination of it all. It was very late at night. I have no idea what time it was, but we were watching television and the news came on with a quick report of an airplane having gone missing. A little bit later, there was an update to the news report that said officials had retrieved the black box from the now found but downed airplane and that there was a recording from within the cockpit that said it was terrorists. A little bit later, the news story for some reason utterly changed and now there was no black box and they had no details of the now missing airplane instead of officials having already found and searched a blown up airplane in the previous report. If it was the drug talking, I don't know. But if it was, we both noticed the same thing talking through the television and we're both on the same wavelength high the drug was producing, which is rather weird since that's kind of impossible to be on the same exact high. But we both noticed it on the television. He was much older than I was. I think he was in his 30s already and I hadn't even turned 18 yet. But something about my perceptiveness of seeing the story change and him recognizing my perceptiveness got him to start talking. And what he began to speak about, I had never heard anybody speak about in all seriousness as he began to speak. And what he began to speak of is quite possibly the worst thing to listen to while high on acid or any drug. Even as he was speaking to me, the recurring thought in my mind was, is this guy crazy? Does he really believe in this? Is he serious? Do people actually believe in this kind of stuff? He began to speak of the beast, both the devil, Satan, Lucifer, but also the beast as in media manipulation and mental programming through television, movies, and radio, and that this was the vehicle through which the actual devil influenced the world. He then asked me if I knew anything about the devil or Satan. I said no and asked him if he did, and he said yes, since he used to be a devil worshiper. I laughed. He didn't. He then told me of each of the neighbors he knew in just our apartment complex that were devil worshippers. And just for clarity's sake, especially since the names are so interchangeable and is actually one of the subjects in my book, Lucifer Revealed, that there are three names given for the personification of evil in Christianity of devil, Lucifer, or Satan. But I don't actually remember if he said if he'd been a Satanist or a devil worshipper. If you look it up, there's some discrepancy that makes it hard to see if there's actually a difference. With Satanists appearing to be more New Agers, actually all New Age stuff comes from this, and are the do-what-you-want-since-life-is-short type of thinkers, where devil worshippers are supposedly actually worshipping the personification of evil, impregnate women just to abort and sacrifice them in the Black Mass and mirrors the Catholic Mass, which should give food for thought, because why don't they mirror like the Lutheran Church or Seventh-day Adventists? Anyways, to be fair, I've only read these descriptions of devil worshippers from the book about exorcisms by Father Malachi called Hostage to the Devil. So it could be a polemic against the overall church of Satan or devil worshippers and not really exist. Or he explained it as concretely as he knew and understood it as something that existed in America, at least in the 70s since that's when the book was written. And though he wasn't an exorcist, the book was about his interviews with exorcists. 
As a caveat, the most interesting thing I found about possessions in this book is that it's not like in the movies. It doesn't occur instantly, but is a gradual process, taking years to fully occur. In addition to whether I knew about the devil worshippers in our apartment complex, he narrowed his focus and asked if I'd been in the neighbor's apartment just down the stairs and across the walkway from me. There were two women that lived there with their little boy. They were nice. I remember saying hi to them here and there, but according to this former Satanist or devil worshiper that was now talking to me, they were witches, and he said their main kitchen table had glass on top of a pentagram frame. He then began to draw out the head of the beast and to explain the symbology behind it. It was at this point where he lost me. In my head, I couldn't believe that people could actually be so dumb as to believe in this kind of crap, and I started to tune out because though part of me, a very small part of me, was getting afraid of what he was telling me, especially once he started drawing the pentagram symbol with the head of the beast within it, which would essentially be similar to casting a spell of sorts, whether he was actually doing it or not, since that small part of my mind was wondering if it could in fact be true. But the other side of me was trying his best not to laugh his head off, since I didn't want to be rude since he was in my apartment, and I didn't want to call him crazy since he was very serious as he drew his little pentagram with a little goat head on it. So I don't actually remember the detail of the actual symbology he was trying to convey, just that he was conveying it. The guy left, and what was more interesting than what the guy had spoken to me about was the dream that I had when I fell asleep. I dreamt I was up on a platform to a stage of sorts. It was nighttime, and there were lit torches blazing to the side of the stage, bright and more walking through a cave tree branch torch versus like a tiki torch you buy at Home Depot or Lowe's or something. There was a leader or speaker on the stage clothed in black robes with a black hood on. He had his arm out motioning in my direction for me to come onto the stage. He then spoke to the crowd of onlookers that were all dressed as he was dressed and said that I would be a great or supreme one if I joined them and then asked if I joined them. The thoughts of ridiculousness while awake overtook me in the dream and I started laughing at the entire scenario. And I answered, I'm not interested in joining this. He asked me why I was laughing and I answered, because this is all hilarious to me. You people actually believe in this and worship it? I'm out of here. I think I remember walking off the stage at that point and may have also said something like, if there's a devil, then there's a God and I sure as shit ain't worshiping what you worship. The dream is fuzzy at this point, though, since I was laughing in the dream, and it was one of those weird dreams where I woke up and the dream transferred to the waking world, for when I woke up, I was still grinning ear to ear. I remember after this, I hung out with that guy and one of the neighbors he'd mentioned, and sure as shit, this other neighbor had a pentagram mural or flag draped across his wall, and the two of them had a thing where the guy who'd spoken to me and was no longer into that stuff wanted the other guy to stop making the horn sign of the devil at him, even in jest. And this guy wouldn't since it was funny to him. And it actually led to the guy that wanted him to stop throat checking the other guy to make him stop. How serious of a devil worshiper this guy was, I don't know, since he had a set of drums in his apartment and dressed and seemed to be that old school rock music Satanist or devil worshiper. So if he delved any further beyond that type of stuff, I never found out since that was the last time I hung out with either of the two. Flash forward a year or so later, a month, two months prior to the near-death death experience, and I found myself with two sugar cubes of acid dissolving in my mouth. Now, what I want to impress upon you real quick is there had been tons of drug use during this year or so. Just as I said, there had been tons of drug use prior to this, all the way back to the 8th grade, and never had I seen or experienced anything other than the munchies or uncontrollable laughing bouts. 
Since I wasn't journal writing or writing anything during this time, I have no record of my thoughts, so I can't pinpoint for you listening to this or to myself writing this if my thoughts on these particular days somehow led to the deeper drug experiences or not, and if that's how to generate a deeper experience. I have no idea. I'm only saying this since I'm assuming something on that order is what was occurring since I can't really answer why all the other drug use produced nothing similar to these experiences I'm recounting. Something must have been different to have caused a different experience, but unfortunately I'm not aware of what that might be. As I've spoken elsewhere, drugs or guided drug use in the historical religious ceremonial record was used and given to adherents specifically so they could have some type of interaction or experience of the divine, of the gods, of nature personified, etc. That type of guidance is simply lost in modern times, as far as I know and personally experienced, especially here in the West. Obviously, the question I'm raising is, if there were more guidance while taking drugs, would more people experience similar things than I experienced or not, and move past getting the munchies, uncontrollable laughter, or heightened sexual experience? Anyways, I'd taken two sugar cubes of acid and had been blazing chronic, and this was the first time I experienced the time skipping. I remember taking the sugar cubes of acid in my apartment with the people I wound up being with during the near-death experience. Then I was somewhere in Hollywood, some type of office building or studio or something with people I'd never met before. Then I found myself in the Sentry Club. I'm not sure if that club still exists or not, but Dre rapped about it once, so I think it was a popular club back in the end of 2000 or beginning of 2001. I'd never been there before, but I knew Dre had mentioned it in one of his recent songs at the time. I don't remember standing in line or anything like that. I was just suddenly in the club, standing there, looking around, realizing that all the people I was with were gone and I was alone, even as I was surrounded by all these dancing people. And I was tired. Not sleepy tired, but physically, and I wanted to sit down and I wanted to be anywhere but there since the music was annoying me. And if you've been to any clubs or raves, you know that sitting down is literally impossible unless you just go to the bathroom and find an empty toilet to sit down on, which is also impossible and not long-lasting since people are constantly knocking on the door since they need to pee from all the drinking. I remember feeling this lethargy of body and mind and stammered around the moving bodies trying to see if I could find anywhere to sit down. I didn't even want to be there anymore. And all I remember was finding myself right next to the floor speakers and saying, screw this, the speaker is a chair and I'm going to sit on it. And I had that mental drug lock, that inability to turn thought into action that happens sometimes from doing drugs. I think I tried climbing on top of it once or twice and failing, and I must have just been standing there staring at this giant speaker like a crazy person trying to figure it out. Because some dude that must have been an angel or something must have seen me, came by, tapped me on my shoulder, knelt down with his hands clasped for my foot to step on, and gave me a boost up that damn speaker as I thanked him for his help, and he walked off and disappeared. I knew I didn't want my legs to dangle, so I drew them up and sat cross-legged. I want to say I sat there for a while before the experience began, but I swear, I pulled myself up, felt that I didn't like my feet dangling, and my line of sight was watching myself bring my legs up and cross them, and as I looked up and over the dance floor, there was a mist or fog that hung over the top of everybody's heads, and when my line of sight continued, there was suddenly no ceiling. I was looking up at the stars above, and even though I was sitting on top of a speaker at the Sentry Club, I no longer heard any music, and neither could I feel the vibrations of the speaker I sat upon. It was like a breath of fresh air, this quietude. I looked around at the stars, and though all was quiet, because I was so miserable being there, that misery I felt along with all the misery of the life I was living flooded my mind. 
and looking in all that space around me, not realizing that I had essentially risen my mind above the entirety of what was beneath me, looking down through the layer of fog or mist as if I was sitting on top of a cloud looking at the throng below, I thought to myself that because of how I felt, how miserable I felt, that I was the lowest of human beings, that I was failing miserably, and that I was at the bottom. I was the footstool of the universe is what I thought of myself, footstool being the exact word I thought then. I wish I could remember more, but I don't. Floating in this space of peace, all I could think of was the misery of my existence. Time skipped again and I was sitting up in my bed in my apartment, flipping through the television channels with nobody else there, alone. I didn't have cable, but when you live so close to all the television networks, back then with bunny ears, you could get all the network channels crystal clear for free, along with all the public or freely broadcast channels. And I happened to land on one of those, what I assume was an evangelical Christian channels, with a booming pastor speaking to a crowded stadium-looking building. It was painted in white, is all I remember, and the pastor was in a black or dark navy blue suit with a red tie with either white lines going across it or white dots, and he had glasses. Funny the little details that can sometimes be remembered. And a small voice within me told me to watch for a moment and not to change the channel. I don't remember much of what he was talking about, something about the eternal power of God found within each page of the Bible if you just looked at it. It was hard to remember because of the synchronous event, or at least synchronous event to my experience as it occurred. At this point, I knew nothing of the concept. It's just the first time I truly noticed the experience and noticed it occurring immediately. Through meditation, I've been able to see such events going way back, but it was at this moment when I saw it loud and clear. Of course, it happened when he started talking about the devil, not bags of money falling from the sky or wealth manifesting from God, but he went into a rant about the devil and the works of the devil, and he said something about the fires of hell. And right when he said the word fires, the wall heater in my apartment erupted. This was a super old apartment complex even 20 years ago, so some listening may not know what those old school wall heaters look like. It looked like a five inch thick ironing board mounted to the wall with little vents on it and at the bottom was the pilot light. I'd been living in this apartment at this point for at least six months and I'd never seen the thing do what it did on this night. At the words fires of hell, the thing simply ignited and the flames from the bottom of this wall heater appeared to blaze through the vents. I'm pretty sure the drugs had already worn off, but they may have still been playing a role. Not that it matters. What matters I was instantly gripped in horror at the realization and thought of seeing the flames blazing from this wall heater and that this occurred instantly after that TV pastor had said the words, fires of hell. Something is trying to be communicated to me somehow, is what I thought. Some truth, something. What if it is true? I think I remembered my Halloween 1999 experience, but I also know that I'd slammed that night out of my mind and hadn't really thought about it since. A bunch of bullshit, remember? But I couldn't ignore seeing the flames of this wall heater right when he'd said the words, fires of hell. But that was just a coincidence, my skeptical mind was yelling. I think I heard the pastor guy saying that all one needs to do is ask forgiveness, get on your knees and ask forgiveness. I think this happened because I remember asking myself, maybe I need to ask forgiveness. Maybe I should drop to my knees and ask forgiveness. Nah, man, that's stupid, was the interior reply. I can't fully remember if I actually did or didn't. 
it's a blur to me because when I started reading Dante and different sayings of the saints a few weeks after my near-death death experience, I did drop to my knees in my apartment and performed what I'd later learned was essentially St. Ignatius's examination of conscience prayer, where I tried my best to recall all that I had done and to ask forgiveness for it. So I may have done so on this night amidst the skeptical mind's protestations and may not have, and I may have simply turned the TV off and said to myself, that's not really real, that was just a coincidence. Don't read into it any further. These were the thoughts I know I was telling myself since I didn't want that responsibility in my life, that choosing to believe in it, really choosing to believe in God, meant responsibility. And even as all around me were signs pointing to its truth, I wanted to remain skeptical, wanted to deny, wanted to remain as Jesus words it, lukewarm, in faith. Kind of sort of believing, enough to say if asked that I was Christian and that I believed in God to appear socially responsible in a religious sense, but not enough to actually do anything with it, not enough to enact change in my life, not enough to let God become more real in my life than just stories and fables and myths in a book, and what you sometimes did on Sundays before engorging on Sunday brunch. I didn't really want that, even though my intuition is telling me right now that my inner voice was and had been questioning such things the entirety of my conscious life, whether or not I knew or recognized it, especially during this time period when my mind swam in drug use. The other experience I just remembered is also hard to quantize since I didn't see or hear anything, I just felt something. It also expresses what all parents express to their children when they try to protect or prohibit them from media, music in this case, that they feel might lead them down the wrong path. I was a big hip-hop listener back then, having grown up in the 90s and obvious from the many references to Tupac I've made. I'm not entirely sure when this occurred. It may have been after the previous experience and may reflect that I was thinking if such things as hell and the devil could be true, because it's the only rationale I have for even attempting what this hip-hop song said to do. Again, I have no idea about the hip-hop group today and the lyrics in their music would sometimes mention God, but back then I probably wasn't paying attention to the details or if anything was off, though the name of the group should have been a warning sign, though I wasn't really aware of such things and thought it all nonsense. It was a 3-6 Mafia album I was listening to, and in the song, whichever of the rappers was rapping said something on the order of, the devil's real, and he's there if you focus. So this must have been after my wall heater experience and could even be seen as a synchronous type experience, I suppose, since I don't think I'd listened to this album in a while since I only liked the beat on one or two songs on it. Anyways, the idea now in my head, I thought I'd try focusing if the devil were real as a way to prove to myself that this was all nonsense. I squinted my eyes, blocked out all thought, and started to focus. All I remember was I stopped after a few moments because I felt something some type of presence or ominous gloom or shadowy cloud that was within the mind as I focused on this. And kind of like what would happen later in the Land of the Dead nightclub experience, whatever I'd focused on, I felt I had seen it, but it had also seen me or found me once more, or like I'd reopened the door that had been closed instantly on that Halloween night a year prior or something to that degree. That it wanted me is what I felt impressed upon my mind. But I washed away the feeling with my skeptical thoughts. 
I'm just thinking I felt something, thinking that there was something there because that's what the words in the song were saying. There wasn't really anything there. I'm just imagining it. And the feeling passed, and the memory of this wouldn't be remembered until much later. Each of these experiences are the snowballs that conjoined together the weekend prior to the near-death death experience and during the near-death death experience. And as I tried to explain, I had read and seen depictions of such hellish things occurring to other drug users, but either none around me ever expressed such visions or sights, or maybe they did experience similar things and were too horrified to speak on them and had chosen ignorance. I'm not entirely sure. As I said, I never took a single harder-than-weed drug again, and after the awakening experience, the near-death death experience, though honestly this experience at the Century Club could be seen as my awakening experience as well, I only smoked weed two more times, and both times two hits or less, and nothing more. As I explained in my Vision Explained Deeper, audio recordings, ebooks, and audiobook, taking and using drugs is the easy route to experiencing a version of the mysteries, and I am certain it's what Jesus refers to as robbers and thieves entering the sheepfold, not through the gates, or not through discipline, prayer, and faith. It was because of this, as stated elsewhere, I knew I had no answer for the skeptic, for the scientist, for the atheist that questioned such things seen and witnessed if seen and witnessed under the influence of drugs. I couldn't understand it myself, and thus, though I knew I had experienced these things, I also knew that it could be explained by pointing to the substance abuse. Luckily, I was given Ram Dass's Be Here Now book, and interesting, it wasn't the work itself that got me thinking, since the work itself is very simple spiritual stuff with a bunch of funny drawings that remind me of a comic book. It was reading the introduction and the biography of him and his path of having reached a similar conclusion regarding using acid realizing if the experiences were possible with the drug use, then it must be possible without. Though in time I would lose this idea, or at least that I was searching for the method by which to experience this without any drug use, 17 years later it came back to me, and as I stated in an earlier podcast, it came back to me now with a mind and body utterly devoid of all drugs or drug use, with barely even any alcohol use. Caffeine, I guess, would be the only substance, which makes me chuckle a bit since caffeine is sort of low-grade cocaine. So maybe I was still under the influence, as are we all that drink coffee. I thank you for listening to my tale if you've listened this far. It seems strange that few around me at the time cared to listen to my story and that complete strangers are now listening to it, but that is the way of the narrow path, I suppose. Jesus says something about this, the prophet is not known amongst his kin or something to that degree. And though the harrowing aspects to this journey, those that can be seen as the tales of woe, the mythological aspects, the biblical aspects, the hero's journey aspects have now been told, the actual spiritual journey, at least consciously, had only just begun. I've touched upon many of these things in brief here and there, but the finer points and details shall be transmitted to you, for there were many more things seen and experienced in rapid fire that I shall speak about when next we meet. Until next time. If you have yet to visit LogosofExperienceAndTruth.com and borne witness to and made the connection of the near thousand images portraying what is seen during the mystical vision throughout all time, all peoples, all cultures, all traditions, the visual representation of the epitomes of science and all religions, 
make sure to visit and see and judge for yourself if what is shown equals my claim to experience and truth, and that which potentially unites all the deeper hidden invisible mysteries of humankind.